Chapter 9 Agent Stone agreed to meet Hatta, Johnson, and the Orange County DA. Stone rode in the detective's car. During the ride up the I-5, he told the story of the two brothers at Crawford High School. They became the kings of crime. The dime quarter and then dollar pyramid Ponzi scheme at the time. Basically, students could buy or buy in by delivering five dimes to a person listed on the chart. The chart itself was a triangle. The payoff went to the top guy of the pyramid. The two below listed on the chart were next in line to be at the top of two new charts. The game escalated from a dime. The following week, only quarter players were allowed. When the dollar pyramids hit, kids were bringing fives, tens, even twenties, wanting higher profits. Dormas sold the official cards. One underclassman tried to start a $1 card of his own. It quickly folded and the kids on the list were picked up by one of the Dormer brothers, which satisfied the players by placement on one of their own pyramid cards for free. The kid who tried to start the sophomore pyramid dropped out of school or at least transferred to another school. Years later, during homecoming, the sophomore, sophomore entrepreneur's girlfriend said she lost her popular boyfriend because he transferred to Hoover High School, allegedly from threats made by phone to him and his parents. The Dormer brothers were seniors. They were tough guys. Their system was airtight. But they served as enforcers or expedited sales, as they called it. They also eliminated competition. They hired a couple of classmates to get the sophomore to stop his enterprise by bumping him in the hallways, intimidating his clients, and allegedly having someone threaten violence against anyone interfering. Those two enforcers were always placed on a new card for their service for free. The Dormer brothers covered their buy-in, if they weren't already at the top of the list. The games closed down once the brothers announced month of May cards in the game. Of course, sales doubled when they made the announcement. There were no more pyramids to get into after May 30. Chapter 10. The FBI agent continued with his story as they rode up toward the harbor of Oceanside. He told the story about the pyramid scheme and indicated some teachers were known to get into the game. One teacher, initially unaware of it being illegal, bought into 10 cards. For that investment, he was transferred. In truth, he became the informant in order to keep his credential. He wouldn't name the Dormer brothers because he said, quote, the organizers were unaware it is illegal and as juveniles, they were just as guilty as the participating student body, end quote. With school about to be let out for the summer, they dropped the investigation. June was boring. The Dormer brothers walked away without a record, had learned a huge lesson about human behavior, enforcement, and most importantly to them, probably untold thousands of unreported untaxed income. The day at the Oceanside Harbor began with the morning burn-off of the overcast. 
the exit of sports fishermen in boats of various kinds, and at 11.30 the arrival of the foursome. The Orange County DA, the agent, and two detectives from San Diego. The Orange County DA told about an informant who was interested in sharing a story he got from a guy wanting a break in sentencing. He had started with a wild story of a gambling debt he paid off by selling a large quantity of marijuana he loaded up in his van. His source for the product was in California's nor Northwest, where the quality of the marijuana is supposed to be the best in the world. He made so much on the transport that he began a business for himself, paying off his gambling debt before he had to meet with the associate or the expediter. He was scared into a million-dollar enterprise, but not too busy to come back to Orange County to gamble. His business opportunities became limited to only those who were gamblers like him. Always a cash-and-carry business, a guy named Dorma took over the operation when he found out the bags were commonly sold at the same location just before his card game started. Dorma continued with the cash purchase, but agreed to provide private deliveries nationally for those who flew in to pay, play cards at his tables. He said, he takes in a thousand from his players in cash before they even sit down to play, end quote. It was told by the informant. The wealth of the guy is millions. One investor thought he had rooms of money coming in faster than he could deposit or otherwise get the cash assigned elsewhere. His land ownership is paid for in cash many times. It's big business, the DA said. He pays one crew to go daily to Las Vegas to buy chips at different casinos, play a little, then cash all them in. A bus full of guys going over weekly were getting money deposited in an offshore account by a guy in Las Vegas who had a bank connection there. At the rate of a million a month, there was still cash stored somewhere in Orange County. Had asked what he knows about the San Diego Dorma. Laughing, the DA responded, he's up to his neck in enforcement, probably a psychopath. He may not pull the trigger, but it's dangerous to meet with him because he'll size up a prospective customer, and if he doesn't like him, take him fishing or simply call his enforcer. The Orange County DA said their investigation linked the mysterious disappearance of former card players to fishing trips they were on. He said, I was told a goodwill overnight fishing trip was scheduled out of Point Loma by one of the Dormer brothers, even for those in arrears. It was goodwill his players look forward to each year. Chapter 11. Enamored by the continuing story the DA told, it was jaw-dropping. He said the boat was always well apportioned with private rooms for each fisherman. They boarded at 4 p.m. were underway toward Mexico by 5. The guys played cards with chips provided by your Dorma brother. The guy with the most chips at midnight won the pot, Dorma, donated by the Orange County Dorma. Fishing, tackle, bait, room and board were on the house. These guys were truly big fish for Dorma Incorporated. San Diego Dorma's associates were always on the boat as part of the crew. After the guys went to bed and the boat was in Mexican waters, the victim was thrown overboard in, in the night. 
but that's only a guess, he said. We heard Chum was in the water to always have a crowd of sharks following the boat. Mercifully, the victim was supposedly unconscious when he hit the water, but devoured by the sharks from the blood in the water coming from the laceration to his juggler, just as he was thrown in. The Orange County DA told the jaw-dropping info to the de San Diego detectives. He continued, the next day, the missing man was just missing, unaccounted for. The rumor started by an associate saying the guy must have walked in sleep and probably fell overboard. The trip was kept secret and his known demise a mystery to most of those on board. The victim's personal effects were shredded and thrown over too. He and his belongings just disappeared as though he was never on the boat or existed. All the players were picked up in a coach provided by Orange County Dorma at one of the hotels in Orange County. Victims arrived by their own cars or Ubers if they chose. Driven to San Diego direct to the boat landing, it was festive for sure. The, the Orange County enlightened. Then he dropped the bomb on them. Quote, Orange County has a has put out a lot of time and money into this uh, enterprise. Uh, we would appreciate it if you would stand down. Johnson, the senior detective said, we would prefer to work with you. We both want justice for murder victims, especially. We need to pin down the hitman, put him away. The fallout with your efforts, we can work together to accomplish, but we aren't standing down or either of us seeking the other's approval. Chapter 12. The meeting ended on that note. Cordially, the men shook hands, agreeing to keep in touch. The slime ball dormas enterprise began in San Diego. The murder as part of their business needed to stop. It would take some doing, but with or without the Orange County DA support, Hatta and Johnson were moving forward. Agent Stone agreed and said he would look into the federal efforts in Orange County. Orange County Dorma appeared to be so big operationally he may have tentacles and a spying capacity, much like the past DA's snitches. It was possible someone inside the Orange County DA office was a spy. The San Diego operation was a robbery homicide investigation with Agent Stone as backup, providing federal help. Learning drugs were involved by one or more of Orange County Dorma's card players, now a millionaire. Recovery of money would remand to the agents who, agency who captured him. Stone thought the DEA might have something going. He would look into that since they are federal. The ride back to San Diego included an important stop at the Carlsbad Costco for ice cream. Long ago, the corporate folk decided to add ice cream to their offerings where hot dogs were sold. All three got a cup of vanilla with a berry topping. Hatta said it was important to have the berry topping to get the bad taste out of his mouth from the stand-down words of the Orange County DA. Chapter 13 Hatta and Johnson checked the sports fishing pier to see if the operators of various boats collected identification from those who got on their overnight boats. Also, 
were all crew members likewise on each overnight trip checked out. They discovered each trip required a driver's license to ID fishermen going into Mexican waters, likewise for the crews. There was never an accounting of how many or who returned. Haddock concluded it would be a great flaw in the system leading to illegals replacing fishermen. He thought an illegal could board a boat in Mexican waters to replace an American who had agreed to step off. The American would be paid to return through Ensenada where he would catch a ride back, crossing the California at the crossing into California at the Tijuana San Ysidro border. It would have to be somebody important, but the Mexican but the Mexican cartels were known to have lots of money to finance such an undertaking. Homeland Security might be interested in discussing this, that sensation. So Johnson and Hatta met with the local head of the San Diego branch for Homeland Security. They were aware of the possibility of the smuggling operation, but they said it, that is the duty of the Coast Guard to, pick, to account for souls on board boats coming from Mexico and their human cargo pass the buck. They next watched as fishermen came to pay and sign in. Clerks could care less, thought they were overworked, and in some cases took the money for getting the ID some of some passengers, especially if they were in a hurry. When asking an owner for a list of crew in a given boat, he readily provided six names, each with a local address. Inquiring how far back the records go, the owner said he keeps it until his taxes are filed and accepted by the feds. The owner was really cooperative. He was told they weren't counting noses, just looking for a name. It took hours. They found a name with a Fort Stockton address, one Frank Dorma. They said they wanted to show their boss a copy of the form because they weren't sure of the match between who they were looking for and a name on the list. Looking at the list and the name of the boat, the owner said, I'll, I'll give you a copy. But a private detective coincidentally had copied the same list. Of course, he didn't remember the PI's name or why he was looking. He was absolutely uncaring. He would have handed list to anyone wanting a copy for the bottom of their birdcage. Files of boat manifest just took up too much space in his filing cabinet. Besides, fishing lines, expensive lures, hooks, and money-making paraphernalia was in two of the four drawers. One drawer was for this year's list, the other for last year. Noting the boat and date of the list they had a copy of, they inquired to see if the same boat was scheduled for a trip this year ahead of time. That led him to a ledger book with a calendar and contact names. He had the ledger to Johnson and said, be my guess. Johnson looked at the counter. He turned each page looking for Dorma's name. Taking out his cell phone, he took a picture of the page and continued to look through the ledger. Bingo! Another hit two months later. Thanking the accommodating order, the owner, they asked to keep their inquiry to himself, but that if any more investigators show up to call one of them. With that, they gave him their cards, which they, they saw him place with others in the top drawer next to his old-time register, which was next to his credit card reader. As they were about to leave, an overnight boat came in. They watched it dock, tie up, and 
tired fishermen disembark. The crew stayed on board, on board, finishing up this trip and preparing for the next trip, which would leave in four hours. About to leave, the owner called them over. He said, you know, the guy that books the trip pays for everyone with cash. No one else does that. He never adds to his number, and if there are less, he never asks for a refund. He says he collects from them ahead of time. He added, he is so thorough, he has a printed copy of the fisherman who will be going. He gives it to me on the day of the trip. It makes our job a lot easier. 20 fishermen, including him, 20 names on the list.